Good evening. Yes. I don't know how to do it. Um, yes. Okay, so I guess we'll just listen to a song and, uh, and then we'll get started.
have to come to God like somebody else. We come to him like we are. And a lot of times that means that I start my prayer time with God, just show me my heart. Show me where I am. God, show me truth about myself so I know how to follow you. Sing this prayer with us. Here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart, Lord. Speak what is true. Sing that again. Here's my heart. Here's my heart, Lord. Can you pray that to him? Here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart, Lord. Speak truth, Lord. Speak what is true. I am found. I am yours. I am loved. I make pure. I have love. God to search your heart. Lord, open us up. Speak to us. Draw us closer to you, Father. Sing this prayer to him. You are more than enough. Can you sing that? Because you are. 
God, we love you. And we thank you for your amazing, amazing, amazing patience with us. I can't imagine. Okay, good evening. Welcome to uh, Wednesday Night Disciple. And so glad that those of you that are here could make it. Um, do a quick prayer, and then we'll dive in. Father, thank you so much for this time. Father, always so great to come together, Father, with our church family, our brothers and sisters, Father, just to spend time learning and growing in your word, Father, and, and with each other. We thank you so much for all you provide, for your safety and your blessings that you've given to each one of us this day, Father God. I pray for continued healings, Father, for all those that, that have been on the prayer chain and, and all those that have been sick and ill, Father God. Thank you for the recoveries that you're giving each one of them. Lord, we just pray that you bless the service tonight. We thank you always for your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, chapter 19 is integrity. So, what is integrity? Well, biblical integrity, and this is not the book, is not just doing the right thing. It's a matter of being right in the heart and allowing the person on the inside to be the person that the outside sees. In every aspect of your life, whether it be personal or business, whether it be out in public or behind closed doors, if you're a person of integrity, it never changes. supposed to be that way. Yes, Angie. It's supposed to be that way. Um, so, second page, which is 328 in my book. I'm pretty sure it's different in y'all's. Um, over halfway down the second paragraph there, it says, uh, and this is a story from him back when they were uh, basically it was basically a mission trip. So the uh, this place in Romania was was nice enough to put the the whole party up, and uh, it says as we pulled up to the address, we were quite impressed. It was a forty-room villa on a beautiful garden-lined winding road. They were so kind to invite all of the team, which numbered almost twenty people. After dinner, and all the fellowship, after all the fellowship ended, I returned to my room and spotted one of the teen's young ladies sitting on my bed. She looked up and simply said, this is where I'm spending the night with you. Immediately, I felt both an incredibly strong temptation as well as an overpowering revolution to such sin. He says, I reached into the room, grabbed my backpack, and literally fled. I slept in a room with two other fellows from my team and never saw the young girl again. When I arrived home two weeks later, my mom asked what had happened on the trip. I discovered that she had been up in the middle of the night and was praying until dawn for me. At almost precisely the exact same time that I was being confronted with the temptress. 
To this day, I am convinced that night of prayer from, from my mom and the choice I made has shaped every bit of blessing in my marriage, home, and ministry. As a result, it gave me a lifelong awareness of the fearsome power of temptation and desire to flee lust in any form. So that's just a little intro into his uh, into his past and what he thinks has blessed so much in his ministry and what turned him on to the temptations that come at us in life. Um, Luke 11, 9 through 13 says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be get opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, Will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know, now know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your loving Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those that ask him? The God who is love, how much more will he give to his children that he loves? Um, from this passage, we learn how important it is to keep to keep on asking, keep on seeking, and keep on knocking. We must keep going in prayer and never give up. God wants us to be praying always with all prayer and supplication in spirit, Ephesians 6.18. And now we're going to get to the integrity. Integrity is a life without hypocrisy. It is walking in the fear of God while seen by others and when seen only by God. Uh, our, the monitor of our integrity is called our conscience. And then he goes in to tell of this plane crash in the Andes and the reason that the plane crashed was because before the plane took off, the ground crew was the ice in the plane, and they left duct tape over one of the sensors to help guide the plane. So question number one, which is on page 330, it says, Our conscience is a gift from God warning us to do what? into the side of a mountain like the airplane did. Um, as he puts it, it is to warn us to pull up before we blindly crash into sin. I like that. Uh, we need to understand that the conscience is not a rev revelation. God does not reveal himself through it. It is not God actually speaking. It is a part of us as humans and therefore is both fallible and prone to injury. A conscience can become diminished, calloused, and even seared so that it is in, incapable of operation. A fully operative and sensitive conscience is essential if we and our children are going to be characterized as having integrity. 
That it, therefore, that is the first thing that we should pray for. 2 Timothy 1.5 Now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith. Good works through, through our conscience. 2 Chronicles 34.27 Because your heart was tender, and you humbled yourself before God. In the Old Testament, the conscience is called the heart. A clean window lets in light so that we can better see what we are doing in our daily activities. However, if dirt and grime is allowed to build up over the years, its light will become dimmer and dimmer until we can no longer see clearly and will likely stumble and fall. The debris that is talking about cloud the window is the junk that comes from sin in our lives. The more sin that we get that we don't clean away through repentance to God ends up clouding our view, clouding our conscience, clouding our hearts and our minds. It ends up putting a separation between us and our Father. Our children, that they will never become calloused, praying for them, praying protection around them, that they will never become calloused, having a hardened heart toward God and others, but that they will stay sensitive and tender toward God. Pastor mentioned that last week in chapter 18, tenderness towards God. Um, we must keep our conscience clean and clear. Psalm 51.10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. This is question number two. As soon as Nathan the prophet confronted David about his sin, he repented and asked God to give him a pure conscience so that he could get back on track with the Lord. So question mentioned, question number two is David repented. And then it says that we ought to pray regularly for ourselves and our children. Psalm 139, 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties, and see if there is any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. This guy has a lot of stories in this chapter. So here's another one. This one's about a possum that came in and got underneath his deck. But the possum was linked to, as we'll see in a second, sin. So he speaks of that they live in a really nice, what seems to be a really nice area, and there's a river that runs, runs by, so they have a lot of critters. And a particular possum came up and got underneath their, their deck of their house and died under there. And, it, of course, when something dies, it starts to stink. So there was a horrible smell. And what did he have to do is his wife made him get a shovel and go under the deck and find out what was stinking. But he ties that into... Um, that stink in our lives that we must promptly remove is sin. It can become a festering, stinking sore in our lives if we don't address it and get rid of it. Uh, psalm, which we just read, the Psalm 139, 23-24, uh, to search and to know me. David is asking God to search out anything in his life that is defiling his relationships. He wants to know what God would not want in his life. 
we see our conscience begs us to do what is right. If we can adhere to it. If we haven't seared it over. It also hinders us from doing what we believe is wrong if we allow it to. In verse 23, David is basically telling the Lord, My conscience, conscience is troubling me, and I don't know why. What possum, quote, sin, has snuck in under my deck of my life and is stinking up this relationship? I don't know about y'all, but I don't want anything coming between my relationship with my father. Nothing. On the next page, 332. Conscience care is lifelong. Acts 24:16. This being so, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and men. This was Paul's constant prayer. Paul talks about the conscience 23 of the 30 times it is mentioned in the New Testament. Paul always wanted to make sure he was walking with God, doing what God wanted him to do. Absolutely. Only God's word can protect our conscience. Ephesians 6, 14. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. The way Paul says to be a person of integrity one whose conscience is clean and void of, the, of offense toward God and others is to check yourself tightly, cinch yourself tightly with the truth of Scripture. We kind of talked about some of that last night in the minister's meeting class. How important Scripture is, especially if you're trying to evangelize, or like we talked about last night, if somebody wants to rebuttal or ask questions, you need to have the answers. And that's what they're saying here. To make sure you're not in offense towards God or anyone else, that you've got the scriptures since tightly, the truth of the word around you. Paul is saying that a conscience must be trained, bound and guided by God's word. A conscience must be cleaned regularly with the word of God. It must be filled, calibrated, and constantly reoriented to the word of God. Section 2, pray they will learn to stand alone. Now, I wrote out beside here that this could be very difficult, um, especially for, for any new believer, and especially for kids, teenagers, because they're, they're, so, they're just getting into groups and friends and, and wanting to feel like they belong so many emotions, so many things that are happening in their lives and for them to take a stand over popularity or acceptance because of something that they feel inside them is right or wrong is amazing and that's kind of what it talks about here uh, Daniel 1.8 but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself we should pray to see our children learning. This is question three. We should pray 
to see our children learning to stand alone by having the conviction that their character is more important than popularity or pleasure. Amen. And not just our kids, but us too. It says Daniel's parents were probably either in slavery or dead after Nebuchadnezzar came in. When he found himself all alone in a faraway, glitzy, glamorous, Las Vegas type place. But Daniel did not want to violate his God whom he loved. So he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with any of the king's stuff. The king's meat, his wine, or other enticements. Therefore, he asked to be excused from all these indulgences. Daniel was basically saying, The temple that I lived by in Jerusalem, the worship that I participate in, the word of God I heard, I am not going to just be a spectator of that. I choose personally to embrace it. Personal integrity tends to rub off on friends. Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had been watching Daniel, and they agreed with him about God. And when they were confronted, this is what happened in Daniel 3, 16, and 18. O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not... Let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Amen to that. Amen to that. We are starting to see some of this play out in our society nowadays. Not quite to the same extent, not a golden image, but... uh, We go on to see that standing alone means we will not serve other gods, nor no matter what. When our children go off to school, camp, class trips, overnight at friends, the workplace, or life of their own, we must pray that they will stand alone by saying, I will not serve the gods of pleasure, convenience, promiscuity, popularity, or unethical business practices. I am going to call sin, sin, just as God does. As his representative, I choose to be honest in all that I do, wherever I am. Amen. Peter 1.3 says, His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Number three, pray they will seek to stay pure in mind and body. 1 Peter 1, 14 through 15 and 2, 11. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct because it is written, Be holy for I am holy, beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, Abstain from fleshly lust, which wage war against the soul. 
We should pray to see our children seeking to stay pure in both mind and body. And that can be quite a challenge. Our kids are bombarded all day, all through social media, through their friends, through pretty much anything that they're engaged in. They're bombarded with what not to do. So that strength and what a lot of this book has been about so far is instilling the word of God in them. The characteristics that God, the qualities, God-like qualities that they can stand, that they know right from wrong, and that we as parents have to teach them. Our American society is, a, is such a constant, mindless engagement with the media trash. Trash is heaped up on trash, and the bizarre becomes commonplace. If it has left us, it has left us morally exhausted and without discernment. Thus, we must be on constant alert. This is question number four. We must be on constant alert to safeguard our children's minds. Remember what they think upon the most, they will become. We must help them spot the deceptions of philosophies and traditions of men, and we must teach them how to bring their every thought into captivity through the obedience of Christ. Now we're going to get into a subject. We've talked a little bit about this back in uh, chapter 2. But it's a very important subject. Um, I was reading an article about modesty in the church today. And I pulled a couple of quotes from the article that I want to read to you. It says, Modesty says that they guard their sexuality not to draw lustful attention to themselves seeking to glorify God and not their self their life shows worship of God and not of their flesh uh, in modesty shows a wicked heart ungodliness in your intent and spiritual immaturity and the same for men The way in which we act and dress is further evidence of the degradation of our society. Yes. So what's one thing, he goes into a couple of things here, uh, such as working in school, even at 40 hours a week, only makes up 24% of your life. What is something that makes up 100% of your life? What you wear. Every day you have to decide what you're going to wear. And every day what you wear and how you're seen in public represents you. And if you're not in right standing with God, and you dress very... Mm -hmm, what's that say about your spiritual relationship? So, our clothing should reflect what is worn in heaven. Look at what Jesus wears. In the midst of the seven, seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet 
and girded about the chest with a golden band. Revelations 1.13. Look at what we are going to wear. After these things, I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, all the nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands. Revelation 7.9. Look at what God's special representatives wear. Mark 16.5. And when entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. What God expects us to wear, righteousness. Isaiah 6, 61, 10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness, and as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. And the last one, look at what God offers us to wear. Christ. This is my favorite part. The night is, for, is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry or drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fill its lust. Romans 13, 12 through 14. Um, it says but you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood a holy nation his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light 1 Peter 2 9 therefore come out from among them and be separate says the Lord do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters says the Lord Almighty therefore having these promises let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. 2 Corinthians 6, 17 and 7 and 1. Our clothing was invented by God. And I had scriptures, um, but we'll just have to. Uh, anybody got a Bible? phone Genesis 2 verse 25 did y'all hear that and the man and his wife were both naked and were not embarrassed or ashamed in each other's presence Okay, Genesis 3, 7 through 11. Then the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves apron-like girdles. Weird. 
Uh, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you walking in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Thank you, Sheila. <clears throat> and then in Genesis 3.21, we see that God himself, it says, uh, Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. So the, the Yes, I thought of that. <clears throat> so what we see here is, is that before the fall of man, Adam and Eve were naked and they didn't even realize it. It wasn't a big deal. There was no care, right? It wasn't until the fall of man that, like Sheila just read, that they suddenly realized, because shame came upon them, that they were now naked. In that say was the start of lewdful and lust that has carried on to what it is today which is perversions and everything else so clothing nowadays since the fall of man is very important like we mentioned a while ago the way in which a man or woman conducts themselves and what they wear says a lot about them our clothing is to prevent confusion. A woman must not wear man's clothing, nor a man wear a woman's clothing. For the Lord your God detests anyone who does this. Deuteronomy 22.5. Do we see that today? Yes. Our clothing can be either beautiful or lustful. Proverbs 31.22 says, She makes coverings for her bed, she is clothed in fine linen and purple. Proverbs 7.10 That out came a woman to meet him dressed like a prostitute and with crafty intent. So you see, one woman is clothed beautifully, and the other woman is clothed, clothed like a prostitute. 1 Timothy 2.9 says, I want, I also want Woman, women to dress modestly with decency and property not with braided hair or gold or pearls or expensive clothes our clothing should help us avoid sin so we never play with God's mercy uh, Proverbs seven thirteen to 14 she took hold of him and kissed him and with a brazen face, she said, I have fellowship offerings at home. Today I fulfilled my vows. There is no fear of God, the future consequences, or the present destructiveness of her actions. 
Galatians 6, 7, and 8 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For, whoever a man, for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will also will to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. Our clothing should help us avoid being manipulative in our goals. Proverbs seven twenty one to twenty three. With her enticing speech, she caused him to yield. With her flattering lips, she seduced him. Immediately he went after her as an ox goes to the slaughter, or as a fool to the correction of the stocks. Till an arrow struck his liver, as a a bird hastens to the snare. He did not know it would cost his life. Our clothing must not be ostentatious. Luke 20.46 Beware of the teachings of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and love to be greeted in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues in the places of honor of banquets. Beware of clothes that are designed to show you off. Pride is hard to resist and God hates it. Our clothing is to show separation from the world. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Romans 12, 2. Our clothing reflects Christ. Romans 13, 13 and 14. Let us walk properly, as in the day, not, not in rivalry or drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, nor in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust. Each day you dress, make a conscious choice to think about whose body it is you are clothing. Remember that we belong to the Lord. Our clothing, clothing is to cover God's temple. 1 Corinthians 6.19 do, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you? Whom you have from God and who you are not your own. Our clothing is to declare God's ownership of our bodies. 1 Corinthians 6.20 For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which is God's. Our clothing must not feed the lust of the flesh. 1 Timothy 2.9 God never wants our clothing to be sensuous. I also want women to dress modestly with decency and, and, and propriety not with braided hair or gold or pearls or expensive clothes. Our clothing is not to detract from our holiness. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husband. 1 Peter 3, 3-5 Our clothing is to demonstrate humility. 1 Peter 5, 5 Likewise, you younger people submit yourselves to the elders. Yes, all of you submissive to one another and be clothed with humility for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. 
Our clothing is to prevent casual mental pictures that feed lust. Uh, with, uh, with eyes full of adultery, they never stop sinning. They seduce the unstable. They are experts in greed in a cursed brood. Second Peter 2.14 I, I speak against, I wrote this out in the column beside it, because he, he makes a mention of, of Hooters. I'm sure we all know what that restaurant is, right? There's several of them, uh, two, oh, two I know of, Twin Peaks and Hooters, but there's some other ones too. I, I hate for anyone to lose their job, but every time we drive past one of those establishments, I speak against it. Because coming from what God saved me out of, I know that those places only feed the lust of men's eyes and men's hearts. And relationships are ruined over them. People are destroyed over them because of a restaurant. And I, I had no idea that Twin Peaks was what it was. And I'm sitting in there so uncomfortable. I came to get my order, you know, to just for a drink. And then she ended up coming later, and and I, we were both seriously uncomfortable there. So, uh, but you could just feel it. My heart was racing, and all of the energy around the room. And it's not just for men because you know there's so much homosexuality and so on. That's why I. I make it a point every time I'm driving someplace if I pass one I, I pray against it there's other jobs that's right yes exactly um, you'd be surprised how many guys like when they are trying to ask you out you know, even in the very beginning, like I have this series of questions like, you know, do you go to strip clubs? Do you think it's okay to dine at Hooters? Yeah, I'm not going to be with anybody who doesn't let me go have wing, you know, or whatever. And I'm like, okay, and you're a Christian? Yep, cool. Nice to meet you. Have a great life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I mean, and I'm not saying I'm a perfect person, but yeah, but I'm like, wow, okay. Like, it's, it's almost like you're weird if you don't think that's okay. And like the girlfriends go too, and I'm like, okay, maybe I'm, like, mentally ill or something, but, like, I'm a Christian, and to me, that's not okay. Like, I'm not, you know, anyway. stepbrother's son, they took him, they just found out, to Hooters for his 13th birthday. Hmm. But you're exactly right. And they think it's completely fine.
cartoons, toy aisles, everywhere. Yes. Um, so our clothing so often reflects where we are in our disciple, our discipline of our flesh. We kind of talked about that a little bit earlier. We, we see it all the time in that the article I read today that I pulled some of those quotes from, she made the point that she was very aggressive about her point that she like Sheila just said she's like I'm a Christian so am I wrong to think the way that I think or is this what the Bible teaches us she said but when I go to these different churches I see women wearing skin tight clothes their cleavage hanging out you can see their underwear you can see everything on them and they're in church praising their heavenly father she's like this doesn't make sense to me I'm a woman myself and I am a Christian and I do not consider those women to be a Christian. And the same thing goes for men. Women can lust after men like men lust after women. So a, a muscly man that's cut and, and good looking, and he walks around all the time and he's strutting stuff, and he takes his shirt off, and he's it entices women. Women can be enticed just like men. And it's the, the same same scenario goes both ways, but it's not just women. So, Romans 13, 13 to 14 so says, Let us walk properly as in, the, as in the day, not revelry or drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh. Um, pray they will, evident, we're going to make this real quick. Pray that they will evidence a servant's heart. First uh, Corinthians four one, let a man so consider us as servants, uh, as Christ and stewards, stu- servants of Christ and stewards of the ministry of God. And it talks about Paul and his um, wanting nothing more than to be a servant of Christ. Um, and, it, and it gives an example of the under rowers on a boat, which we're not going to go into all that, but there were different levels of rowers in these boats, and the bottom rowers. Uh, the galley slaves had to row to the captain's beat. They had to row together. They had to trust the captain. They were committed for life. They received no honor. Only the captain was visible to the outer world. In question number six, so what was Paul's goal in life? To be Christ's servant. What should be our personal goal? The same, we must become, by habit, under-rowers for our captain, who is Jesus Christ. And five, pray that they will not resist God or become bitter. Ephesians 4, 30 and 32, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed by the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, uh, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Question number seven. Bitterness hurts the bitter person the most. Bitter people act like their, their father the devil, treating others as he treats them. A soul consumed with bitterness denies our father in heaven who loved us even where we were when we were his enemies. Uh, I have a nephew. 
needed deliverance from bitterness for quite a while, and it's evident how much it builds in his life. Um, sure many of us have been there. Yes, extremely hard. Praying for you, yes. Um, so adversaries are placed in our life by God. Bitterness is deadly. Trials are vital. Um, and then it talks about Joseph and how he, with everything his brothers did, how he forgave them. Um, and some quick points. He was rejected by his brothers. He was abused by them and exiled from his own country. He was accused falsely and morally in, of moral laxity he was unjustly imprisoned to get revenge he was injured and forgotten by co-workers and employees and friends but Joseph chose to forget he initially forgot past hurts he never nursed them and that's Genesis 41 51 Joseph chose to be fruitful he pers purposefully looked for God's hand guiding and blessing him and that's Genesis 41 52 and lastly just to finish this up um, the five things which is the last question number eight uh, God's training plan for life and that is maintaining a clear conscience standing alone for Christ's sake staying pure in mind and body evidencing a servant's heart and not restraining or becoming bitter in trials Acts 6 4 gives us the key to success as the gospel said, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. How do we minister the word to our children? We pray the scriptures for them unceasingly. For when parents pray, God hears and responds. Amen. I missed some questions. Uh, what questions did I miss? Six. Did we get six?
okay. Uh, three was uh, popularity or pleasure. Four was, yep. Any others? Five is uh, our clothing should reflect what is worn in heaven. So some good points. Modesty. Um, Sheila, I don't want to put you on the spot, but a great example of modesty. Um, she, she always dresses nice, but she never... Um, you, you know what I'm trying to say. So, there you go. As many women are. impressed me because when we first got married it was she's never been really provocative but she's she was a little bit more but the the further her walk in Christ has gotten the more reserved she's become and I admire her for that completely I I love it so uh, and I've noticed the same thing in our daughter too teenage years were a little bit rough but the older she's gotten the modesty's kicking in then when they go to church and everyone in church dresses just like the world does it's yeah yeah absolutely absolutely yeah right that's true and it may not come up modesty it may not come up until in teens, you know. Uh, thanks for joining us. See you next Wednesday.